Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking to the team behind the movie The Wheel. We are joined today by director Steve Pink, as well as cast members Taylor Gray, Bethany Ann Lind, and Nelson Lee. And, and Steve, starting with you and talking a little bit about the visual language of the film, I wanted to talk about your collaboration with Bella Gonzalez, who's the cinematographer on this, and how the two of you work together to kind of create a lot of the shot listing and the visual language even down to details about what lens you wanted to use to tell this story, moments where you wanted to really bring us close up to the characters and create a lot of that intimacy. And even just when you were filming scenes, finding those instances where you really wanted to, to allow us to just linger with these characters as they're going through all the different emotional toils of this relationship. Well, we were looking at reels uh, for a cinematographer. And when I saw Bella's reel, I was like, oh, she's already, she, her reel captured the emotional um, ideas I wanted to explore in the movie. I was shocking to me. She, she ha and she has this way uh, of, she, she had done a lot of handheld stuff and she would find, um, she would find these kind of almost in, internalized emotional moments that the subjects in the frame were experiencing just by the way she moved at them, just by the way she would approach them with camera or pull back from camera. And that was in stuff that I'd seen in her reel. And so then I just asked her about that when I when we got together for the first time. I said, I want to know what that is. Like, what, what is that for you? And why are you doing that? Um, and so, you know, that kind of, you know, started our discussion about how to capture these characters. Um, and, um, you know, cause there's a dreamlike quality to it, but it's very, very, very subtle. Um, and so then, you know, and then we decided, I wanted to shoot, I just shot a, a series, um, where we used anamorphic lenses and I wanted to use anamorphic lenses again. And so then we did a bunch of lens tests and found these, um, uh, C series, um, anamorphics from the seventies, actually in eighties, they'd actually been used for some movies like that were really odd, like the Phantom Menace, like the Star Wars movies, which is, which is so odd because that movie looks so different. Um, and we basically shot the whole movie on like four or five lenses, prime lenses. And, um, yeah, I think, um, and so then each character kind of, we tried to have each character have a, a you know, their own kind of, um, the way we captured each of them. Um, was slightly different. Um, they were all part of a whole uh, in terms of how we approach scenes and approach characters in scenes, but everyone had a slightly different frame. Um, you know, like, you know, like Amber's frame, you couldn't escape from, right? We were always, you know, we were forced, she was a very challenging character and we were, we were forcing the audience to confront Amber all the time. Always, you know, we gave her, you know, we gave her very little space, you know, and she, the characters, you know, suffocating and struggling to figure out who she is and who she wants to be. And the camera wasn't going to let her off the hook, you know, in a lot of ways, that was the frame for her. And then Taylor's frames, you know, they always were so kind of warm and had space, you know, they had, you know, they had a certain amount of energy, uh, a warm, a warm energy that, um, that so, so, and, you know, we, we always backed off Taylor a little bit, right? you know, um, and I think same for Carly. And then I think we were a little bit more oppressive. Well, actually with, with uh, especially in the bar, we found a lot of great frames for Nelson in the bar. We were like, he's cool guy, you know, like all of his frames, especially in the bar, we're like, let's, let's show a portrait of a guy who's, who's kind of a rock star. You know, um, Carly's frames are also very, very warm and very, very honest and simple. Um, 
uh, for Bethany. And then, yeah, we, a, a lot of all of Nelson's early stuff, when we were trying to find like what his frames were, we're like, oh, he's great looking. <laughs> and he <laughs> thinks of himself as great looking. How do we, how do we frame him? And so all of his frames, if you notice, especially the ones in the bar, um, I mean, he walks into, you know, we gave him like this grand entrance, even though he's just walking into a bar, just like where we chose to put the camera to make him seem like he's the coolest guy on the planet entering this bar. <laughs> so um, that was all just through discussion with, uh, with Bella. And that's what I think created the overall tone of the movie. And I really, really love all of those details. And, and coming over to you, Taylor, I've heard you mention that one of the challenges of this role was the fact that it's the, the longest kind of romantic backstory history that you've had to create for a character because the two of them have been married for eight years. They've obviously known each other even longer than that. Um, and so I was interested in how you and Amber really worked together because obviously you weren't able to be together on, on set at first when you arrived. You know, there was all of the, the quarantining because of COVID at, the, at that point. Um, but it sounds like the two of you did have an opportunity to kind of go back and forth and send a lot of emails and ask a lot of questions and figure out a lot of the details within their relationship. So what were some of the key details that the two of you really wanted to finesse and figure out or add to beyond the script pages and what that gave you? No, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. It was, it was interesting because like being a younger actor, a lot of the roles that I've played, there hasn't been, I think this is the first character that's actually been married, um, which is very fun. But then also it's not just a marriage, it's almost a decade long marriage, which to dissect that, like I even talked to my dad, just like, where were you at 10 years into your marriage, even though it was a bit older, because it like, that's a different state than uh, newlyweds or just being in a relationship with someone. And so I found that to be pretty fascinating. And so I kind of put the onus on how much shared backstory we have. Like, I didn't want us to have the same perspective on things that have happened to us, but I was hoping that we would at least have some similarities in what we've looked back on. Like, how many fights have we had? Do we fight every day or have we had like three blow fights? Have we ever shared a pet? What, what are the, so what is your love language? And so I, we had a conversation with uh, Trent, the writer and Steve and Amber and I early on just over zoom. Cause it was during uh, the height of the pandemic. And then I, I think I was panicking a little bit just cause it was new territory. And so I wrote an email and I've mentioned this a couple of times. I wrote a, uh, sort of like a dating profile email that was so long to Amber. And I didn't, I, I could have probably had a better bedside manner. I didn't even really say like, hey, how are you doing? It was just like, what's your favorite this? What's this? What do you not like when people do? Where do you like not like to be touched? This and that, like a lot of things, just to kind of know like who this person was um, and see if I couldn't pull any of that out when we were on set. And then once we got up there, I was hoping we were going to a chance to kind of speak on this, but it was, it was a lot of like wearing masks and like passing at 10 feet apart to the cafeteria to get food. But it really did work out because we did know about a couple of these things in our shared history. And we spoke about it while we were working together. But a lot of the chemistry was made just kind of on set. And the fact that we were sharing something like these crazy times of the pandemic was something that you could bond over with someone, even though it was external to the film. And it was really interesting how that worked in our dynamic. But yeah, it's, uh, it's nice being a married man. <laughs> I'm glad it was a good experience for you. <laughs> and, and kind of coming over to you, Bethany, with, with Carly, 
you know, there, there's there's this really kind of like slow, gradual build up to her asking a lot of questions out loud about her relationship that it feels like she's been afraid to address, but she's definitely kind of seeing these signs along the way. And, and there's a lot that comes forth from seeing this other couple. And, you know, she even asserts to watching Taylor's character do anything that he could to save his relationship. And meanwhile, she's looking at her husband, not even finished building the altar that they're supposed to get married in front of. Um, mm-hmm. And so for you, when you were reading through a lot of that in the script, what was the, what was the journey of finding the space that that takes her into emotionally of going through all of that internally but not being in a space till later in the film where she's able to actually say these things out loud and ask these questions that she's needed to for a while Mm, that's a good way of putting it um yeah I think we've we've talked about how uh it it was important for both Nelson and I to and Steve to to establish that these characters had something together they loved each other there was a real love there in whatever form and whatever that meant and whatever they're getting from each other and giving to each other but that it wasn't like a it, it wasn't a relationship built it wasn't a sandcastle it wasn't like you know there was something really truly there um and then like you said the the process of self-discovery I think um, the juxtaposition of them seeing the um, Albie and Walker characters who are so young and have this deep connection as messed up as it is. Um, and, and certainly Carly seeing how Walker loves Albie, the way that he's willing to do that. I think that's a crucial moment for Carly of just understanding herself and what she wants and what she needs in a relationship and in a person that she's gonna um you know be committed to um yeah and and it's it's a fun journey to watch how that how that plays out through the film and and in a slightly different space for your character Nelson it feels like the presence of this other couple you know brings forth a lot of elements from his past and and who he feels like his identity has been and as opposed to like where he is right now in life. Um, and so there's this real crossroads that your character is kind of going through and navigating. And it feels like Albie's a very antagonistic presence to him right from the very beginning. Um, and someone that causes a lot of conflict that he just immediately feels before he even really knows that much about her. And there's even that line where he mentions, oh, I know girls like this. I've dated several girls like this. And so for you, <laughs> how were you kind of looking to a lot of the details that the script gave you about his past to kind of create this crossroads and also to figure out the, the real antagonism that he feels just from the presence of, of someone that seems to bring so much up for him. Yeah, absolutely. That's I'm super well put. I mean, the great thing about Ben is, you know, I think he thinks that he's like a lot of people. We think that we've moved on and we've, we're in a different, better place and we really haven't dealt with it. And the fact that he's with Carly and he thinks that this is my new, this is new Ben. I'm going to make a, you know, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be this. I'm going to, you know, and it's, he hasn't dealt with anything. And I think the, when Albie pops up, it's exactly that. It's like, oh, this thing still kind of triggers something in him that's like, oh, this is my old life. I want to find out. I want to prove to myself that I know this. I'm better than this. But I really haven't dealt with anything. That's the thing. I think I'm just deflecting everything. I'm going to make it an Albie's problem. I'm going to make it Carly's problem. But it's really my problem. The fact that Ben hasn't at all grown up. Ben hasn't at all dealt with any of the issues. Like I think Steve said earlier, the guy can't even build the altar, a simple thing. 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's not handy, but I think he could at least, even if he put together the crappiest altar in the world and it was falling down, it would be a sign of love to her, you know, but he, he won't, he, he won't do it. And I think that's it. He'd rather kind of think about the past or think about, you know, the present. And I think all these things threaten him and he'd rather just like not think about it and just be. And, and for all of you, because the film is so much about exploring, you know, these, these opposing juxtaposed spaces and relationships where there is real love and there is real connection. And at the same time, there's conflict and, and distance for different reasons and in different ways. And you have all of that in a myriad of scenes together. I was interested in, in a lot of the conversations that led up to filming scenes in some of that time that you had, because it sounds like rather than necessarily focusing on rehearsing scenes, it was very much about talking through some of these elements. Um, and I love something that you've mentioned previously about with the film, Steve, about, you know, kind of like always going into each scene, thinking about what is the emotional perspective and really talking about that with the cast. And so I wanted to ask all of you about how you all approach that sort of dialogue and that conversation and where a lot of those conversations were really crucial and helpful into finding a lot of the, the different emotion, emotional tonalities within a lot of these scenes. Yeah, it was always really interesting to talk about like what, what, part of our emotional lives are we aware of and sensitive um, to? Like, what are, what are we just fully kind of briefed in our own lives about? And then what are our blind spots and what things are we in denial about? Like, you know, for Carly seeing Walker um, have this unconditional um, love for Albie, for her is a gift, right? Because she that's something that she realizes that she, she wants and doesn't have. But we also know that for, for Walker, it's not necessarily, like unconditional love is not necessarily you know, uh, like uh, it's not a hundred percent good thing, right? It's complicated and it's, and first of all, it's not working, right? There's things that have to, they, you know, there's things that Walker and Albie have to figure out with each other that unconditional love isn't solving, right? But for, for Carly, it actually does solve a problem, you know, and, and, and for Ben also, like he, he's not dealing with a ton of shit, right? But he, it appears as though he's the most, you know, whatever confident and, and, and comfortable in his skin. Um, but that turns out to be utterly false. So it's where, you know, how do we match up all the things we're feelings with, with feeling with all the things that we want in life? And then, you know, how do we match that with, with actually trying to do that with, with, with people? How do we behave in the way we actually want to behave with the full knowledge of ourselves and how we feel about the other. And so that to me was always the conversation. And so every day we would just kind of have that conversation and everyone would bring so much to it. And so it became more and more kind of, you know, complicated and, um, and interesting and nuanced um, every single day that we talked about it. And sometimes it would change the script and we'd call Trent and say, hey, we just discovered this thing. Sometimes Trent was not thrilled about that, I think, um, understandably so, um, because I, you know, he wasn't with us. He was actually shooting a whole series in Utah. And so, you know, we were having these kind of intimate conversations, which would, uh, you know, which evolved our characters in a particular way. And then it was up to the writer to ha help reconcile that narrative, which is not something I think is fair necessarily to do to a writer, like call and be like, oh, hey, the character, we just discovered this huge departure and we need to discuss it and then write it right now so that we can shoot tomorrow. So, um, but he's, you know, a great writer and always, you know, despite being extremely busy, heard us out. And then we were all able to kind of like create. So in that way, we kind of created the story. And there were many, many changes that kind of happened that came out of everybody's exploration all the time. 
And for the rest of you, what, what were some of the moments that where those sorts of dialogues and conversations really helped you in terms of your performance or just finding the emotional intent of a particular scene for your character? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, like you said, there wasn't much rehearsal. So it was, we relied on conversations a lot and they'd be over lunch or before a scene, whenever, but we would talk through a lot of the bigger beats of the film and it, because it's the nature of the film, it's, there's so many different relationships or I guess we can do the math of it, but like everyone has three relationships. Like, yes, Walker and Albie have a very strong, but also my relationship with Bethany's character, with Nelson's character are their own specific things and they work um, in tandem with what is going on in their own relationship with themselves. And it's, it was interesting to see, and like you approach every character differently. And with Walker, I really relied on sort of objective because like overall objective going, he goes into this weekend wanting Albie's unconditional love reciprocated back to him. But then if you break that down, there's so many individual objectives to get there. It's like, first I need to lead her to loving herself and accepting herself and then I need to show her what is great about myself. And so in every sort of scene, it's like he goes about so many different sort of tactics in a way to try and see what would work to get her to that place. And eventually he just ends up tossing her phone and he's like, fuck it, I can't really do it anymore. And I think sometimes we resort to that when nothing else seems to work. But um, yeah, I, th I think those conversations were pretty vital because um, it allowed us to kind of check out other perspectives as we approach the character. And for you, Bethany, it, and, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was gonna, I, I think a good example of what Taylor's talking about is that there's a scene on the porch with the four of us when we decide to do the book together and, or, you know, I make everyone do the book together or whatever. Um, and it, it's so clear that there's just four very distinct objectives that are like clashing <laughs> against each other. And that's, uh, I think that that makes that scene so, so interesting that you have this, like we're human beings and we're constantly like looking for connection and trying to connect. And at the same time, we are just like constantly missing each other and um, yeah, I, that, that scene came to mind when, when Taylor was talking about that as an example of, of how, um, our, our discussions about where all of these people are and what they need and what they're looking for. And then when it, when you don't get it, what, what happens? Like, what does that look like? And, and kind of coming back to you, Taylor, I've, I've heard you talk a little bit in, in reference to this character as well about, you know, making a playlist for him being part of your preparation and, and also even just having a recording of all of Albie's lines and the dialogue that they're having together being something that you would listen to on repeat to really think about how your character would be receiving what she was saying. And I was interested if, if those two things are approaches that you tend to use on a lot of projects or if used on other characters or if those were tools that, that specifically came into play for this character in this film. Um, yeah, the fact that you know that is impressive. I actually have a playlist for a lot of different characters that just kind of keeps you in it, locked in while you're there. But to the point of like having their lines written out to listen, I was like, this is a character where he finds his value in listening and being there and like filling in whatever gaps she needs him to fill. And so I haven't done that before. And it was very interesting to kind of rely on like, what is she trying to tell me that I'm not understanding? 
And while that wasn't necessarily needed for it, it, it just added this element of like, how does he listen to her? How is he there? And like, rather than just being a sort of one dimensional character, which I saw a trap in here of just kind of being walked all over and, and pleading all the time. I was like, if he has a little bit of strength to him of like, no, it's actually on me to figure out how to make her better. And rather than have it, she's going to drive everything. I was like, what happens if internally he's changing it and going, okay, I'm going to make her laugh. I'm, if I make her laugh, then she'll remember, oh yeah, he's really funny. And that's why I love doing this. Or I'm going to get her a nice thing because she likes when there's nice things. Or if I make it a proactive approach on his part, but in doing so, he's always receiving, he's always receiving. And so I think it's something that if their character's in that sort of um, arena, again, then I will absolutely do that. But music has always been for me, just like a helpful tool. Yeah. What I think is so interesting about what you just said, um, Taylor, is that I remember having discussions with you about what it was like for Walker to give up because obviously none of those things were working. And until you really contended with the fact that, you know, she, the pain that she was feeling was something that she would have to work out for herself ultimately. And for her to come to realize what, you know, what well, a, that she's worth loving. Right. And then, and then can be open to love or to be open to anything besides just the pain she was feeling. There's that section of the movie where after you throw her phone in the lake and I remember watching you still want to care. And I remember having conversations with you, we do scenes. I was like, no, I was like, we got to do, no, you, you actually can't, you can't anymore. You can't continue this fight. And, and you did such an amazing job uh, as an actor um, being so determined to help that it was really amazing to watch you have to let that go even as a character and, and as an actor. And that was really interesting. And that really comes through, I think, in the movie, because there were moments where you just had to, seeing you struggle giving up trying was really, really fascinating to me to watch. And and you got in, in that section of the film, you did a kind of brilliant job, but it was hard for you. It yeah. Really hard. yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch and, you kind of figure that out. And off the back of that as well, for you, Bethany and Nelson, did you find that that your approach and your character development process for this was very in line with how you tend to approach characters in other projects or were there unique aspects because of the character that you were playing or anything to do with their emotional arc and the way that you were having to build out elements of their backstory or their relationship for both of you? Well, I guess because it was like in the very rare and unexpected experience uh kind of world of the pandemic it was like a kind of an accelerated uh, experience but also at the same time we had a lot of time because we were all uh isolated on this cabin for the entire time so it was this interesting kind of like fast process where we had to kind of uh, jump quickly into this together without a lot of prep but at the same time we had so much time and because we have such a great group of I think it's had speaks so much to the entire group and the collaboration of it and it requires people to be confident, talented, but also just like without any kind of ego. And because of that, there was no obstacles in that. The obstacles were only the kind of things that the pandemic threw up or something else. And so it was a super free process in that way. So it's different, but at the same time, very similar to other projects. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's great to be in a group of talented people like this and it kind of works itself out. Was that similar for you, Bethany? Yeah, I think I, cause I, I flew out from Atlanta and I remember I had to be quarantined for like five days in my little room. So it was a little like being in prison. Yeah. And I, I'm just a, like, I just like to read the script and read the script and read the script and read the script. So, so I kind of did that for five days. And if I had a question, I would 
tech Steve or, um, but I don't, I mean, I think I sort of waved at people from a distance. I also had a cold. I got a cold, like right before I got on the plane. So everybody was like, oh, she has COVID. Like we're done. The movie's over. Um, thankfully, Taylor I was didn't. not scared of you at all. But yeah, I, I, I would say it's similar in that I, you know, was very focused on, on the text and different in that. I, uh, I felt so isolated just due to circumstances that when we were finally able to connect, I think it probably was, it probably came across that, like, I needed, <laughs> I needed that emotional connection. Um, and I, yeah, I'm sure that had, that played into things. It was very surreal for, for Bethany to show up at the summer camp and we were ahead of her by like five days but we had quarantine and we knew she was here. Like she was, it was like the force. Like you knew that there was this person who was be playing a major role in the movie over in that cabin over there. And then you'd see her as Bethany said, like waving with her mask on going to the dining hall back to her cabin. But for five days we could have zero, we had zero connection with her. Um, and so then when she, she finally joined, you know, what would become our movie, it was, it you know, it was kind of a great moment. We're like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're here. The thing that we've been missing is now here. Um, and um, it was a really, really cool thing. Um, it was, it's hard to explain because we were all up at the summer camp and there's only like 25 of us kind of wandering around the woods and then figuring out times to shoot. When there's thunderstorms, by the way, did you know there's thunderstorms up in the mountains during the summer? I didn't know that. And so there'd be thunderstorms and lightning. And when it's five miles out, we couldn't shoot. So there was, that was really interesting because we would just stop for hours. And fires. And fi Oh, yeah. And then the fire. And helicopters. Bears. Taking water to the fires. And bears. Yeah. Yes, that scene at lunch when they're all for the first time. And, you know, I've it, it, it stressed me out completely because we only got to shoot like really half the scene that we were meant to shoot because every... I don't know, it seems like 12 minutes, those giant helicopters would cross right over and then go off to be putting on a fire and then come back. But they were so loud that you could hear them many, many minutes off. So I feel like the time in which we couldn't shoot would be almost four or five minutes. And then we'd have 12 minutes to shoot and then five minutes and then, and then five minute gaps. And then the funniest thing was that their lunch hour was our lunch hour. Like when we finally broke for an hour, do you guys remember that it was dead quiet? Yeah. It was like, how is it that the these heroic, these brave, you know, firefighters, how is it their lunch is the same? Why is that a thing? But I, I think it was, it, it turned out in the end great because you guys just aren't getting along. And so that weird disconnection that I feel like, I think I feel like it kind of helped in the, in the end to have that extreme disconnect that's happening at that lunch scene. And that was partly just because that was actually our reality. Yeah. I went to lunch that day and was throwing up pasta. I wasn't even eating that day. Oh, that's right. He, that's right. <laughs> he ate so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I made yeah. you do it like a million times. That's yeah. yeah. That's, that's on me. And then, and then lastly, Taylor and Steve, I wanted to ask you both a little bit about filming that final scene on the Ferris wheel towards the end of the film, because, um, you know, for you, Steve, I was kind of interested in, in where that moment was when you were sitting with the script and, and coming up with a lot of the visual elements that you realized that if you told that, that scene in one single take and really just 
kept us kind of in that close up with the characters that it would have a certain kind of intention to it on screen and connection for the audience. And then also for you, Taylor, just in terms of your performance, because your character goes through such a myriad of different emotional scopes and spaces during that one conversation with Albie. And it really kind of culminates so much that you've been building up the rest of the film. Well, it was a risk, uh, you know, cinematically from a you know from a from a filming from a camera perspective it was a risk just because we didn't know he's like well if it doesn't work um we will be robbing the audience of something that's emotionally profound right the actors are going to do it you know they're they're so good and their relationship is so strong um and their ability to pull that scene off um you know i trust it completely so then if we just sit in just one frame are we doing a disservice to them and um, so I was very worried about that, frankly. But then when I saw them in that two shot, there was something extraordinary about it, especially since there's so much, you know, dreamy camera work that is always telling some emotional perspective just to like simplify everything and let them have it out and then just be confident that that the, the camera doesn't need to interfere in any way. Uh, and of course, I'm, we're going to shoot it in a way where I'll never be able to let the camera or edit editorial interfere in any way at all. So to have such, um, to, to make that choice and then be, um, then be, you know, kind of married to that choice really meant that um, we were embracing what Amber and Taylor could do in that scene with each other. And they were extraordinary. Um, and so um, it was really, I, I, it was a, it was a, I'm really happy that people that it resonates with people. Um, I honestly didn't know, and I don't know how Taylor, how you felt. I didn't know if we, if we, if we, if it would work or not. Um, um, just because it was such a different, it's so different than the rest of the film in terms of how we approach scenes. Um, but I feel like so. I'm really happy, and, and you know, and I, it, Bethany said it earlier. Um, there's a lot of compassion and empathy earned in that scene. I think you get to see the characters just being, you know, some, you know, being with each other and kind of expressing who they are to each other in a way that they hadn't before. And so I think the very kind of simple frame did that. Um, and then, of course, as actors, I'll, I'll end here and say, as actors, it was just a just an incredible acting um, challenge. You know, it's a seven or eight minute scene, I think. I'm not sure exactly how long it is, but it's, you know, it's quite a thing to try and pull off. And so, and I, I trusted them, but it was, I was really nervous the whole time because it's like, wow, you guys are in the frame having to be, having to do that. And, and, and they were, it was, it was, I was, I was grateful to have the opportunity to watch them work like that. Um, yeah, to your question like that when I got the script, I think that was the first thing that stood out, right, about that character. And it's that whole idea of like, you gotta do what scares you and what is uncomfortable. And that was sort of the beast at the end. And we shot it two weeks after the rest of the film. And I think before we started the film, I was told, oh, they wanna do it as a one take. And I was like, oh, okay. Then that really becomes daunting because, but also exciting because that's, it's like theater and kind of going back to like, we are locked off and you are present for all of it. And you're like, can we actually pull it off? And it was one of the only scenes I approached differently than everything else. And that like one, I had those pages pulled from the script immediately day one. So every day at the end of the day, I would be going over that. No matter what we were shooting the next day, that was just sort of something I was running because it was such a grounding thing for the character and knowing who he was. But at the same time, just like that beast that was always kind of at the back of your head. Um, and we got to it. There was some struggle that night, which was a little weird where we thought we might not film it. And that was worrisome because it was like, 
you you really get into an emotional state for that. And unlike other scenes where I had such clear objectives of what I wanted to hit in a scene and get to, that was one where it was like, I wanted to just surrender as much as possible. And what Amber gave to me, I, I the words were completely ingrained in my head. It was, I didn't know exactly what would come or how it would come, but it would be there in some way. It was like, I had an interesting talk with Trent that night. I hadn't mentioned anybody that kind of threw me off a little bit for a second where he was like, so what do you think? Do you think he stays with her or leaves? And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because I didn't really go in that at all. I, I approached it in sort of like a lot of the sadness that, that showed up that night was like, I was like, oh no, he's made a decision that he's not going to be with her. He's finally made it, but he's going to spend one last night doing what he's always done. And I've had that experience with some before and it's, it's very difficult where you're like, oh, like I'm going to do the thing that I didn't see for so long that I've been doing now I'm aware of it and I'm seeing myself do the same thing I've done for years that I shouldn't have been doing, but I can, I can pull it together to do it one more time for her and be there and try to add whatever thought I can and love. But I know tomorrow, like I'm not going to be there rather than it be this thing of, Oh, he's just gone tonight or he's there permanently. And so when I talked to Trent for a second, I was like, Oh shit, am I approaching this in a way in a, the wrong way? But once we got up there, I think what we did it three times or so, and it was, it was 12 pages straight. So you knew it was going to be a little gnarly, but it was, once we got it down, I think it was so sort of like cathartic. And, and once it came out, uh, I was nervous to see it, but I, I'm glad of how it's turned out. Yeah. I think the piece you achieved at the end was so, it was such a beautiful moment. Like that was just something that happened actually when he returns with the fries, spoiler alert. Um, that, that moment that you guys actually shared was kind of astonishing. Like there's a peacefulness that you find with each other in the frame that I was, I was shocked by and awed by. Um, it's, and it said so much about your relationship, whether you end up together or not in the end. Well, I want to congratulate all of you on, on everything with the film and, and thank you so much for your time and talking about it today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Very thoughtful question.